final Sunday for the Who Is God series. And um, we've been journeying through the Psalms and it's a brilliant series, absolutely incredibly important series. Today I am going to be coming out of Psalm 68. And um, if you've got your Bibles, you can um, turn to Psalm 68. And I'm really just going to be focusing on a couple of three verses actually in the Psalm. Um, I believe that God would want to speak powerful truth out of these three verses in Psalm 68. So let me read that with you. Sing to God, this is verse 4, sing to God, sing in praise of His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before Him, His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families, He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land." That is an incredible psalm for us to take hold of today. It has such great imagery, it has such great power, and there's also such great contrasts within the psalm as we explore who God is. I love what A.W. Tozer says about our image of God. He says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a pretty massive statement. We tend by secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. You can see now why he says it's the most important thing about us. Because how we see God is who we draw towards. When we understand who we're drawing towards, that defines the kind of relationship that we are moving towards. And so it matters how we see God. And that's why this series is so incredibly important. And I believe it's not just important for those that are just finding Jesus, finding God um, recently, but even for those that maybe you found God 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago maybe more, and you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. But over time, and because of our upbringing and because of our experiences, it can shape the way that we see God. And I believe that God, even through His power this morning, would actually begin to redefine who He is. And out of that, we would be able to step into the fullness of the relationship that He desires to have with every single one of us. And maybe for you, when you hear the name God, you might have some, you know, kind of mystical illusion. Maybe it's like some kind of cosmic energy when you think of the name God. Maybe you think of the name God, you think of like a heavenly butler where you ring the bell and this, this guy comes running to respond to your every need. And then when you've got your need, he kind of off he goes and you don't know really where he goes. Maybe God's an angry kind of a God for you, and you're sort of a bit, a bit skeptical about approaching Him. You're good with Jesus, but God's just a little bit much. Maybe God for you is like a granddad. You know, you go visit Him, and um, He has a great lolly jar, and you choose your favorite lolly, and then you go home again. So you have like a relationship with Him, but you don't really like dwell with Him. You don't live in His house. You sort of more like visit God. 
Maybe God for you is someone who's empowering and is with you through everything, that He would encourage you, but also bring correction to you when you need it, because everyone needs that. Maybe that's God for you. So we all have different versions, different images of God, and this series is bringing us closer towards who He really is. But what I love so much is that God doesn't just leave it to our imagination. See, He sent His Son, Jesus, and Scripture tells us that Jesus is God personified in human flesh. And so Jesus walks this earth and He begins to teach us about who God is. And He introduces us to God as our Saviour, God as eternal, God as merciful, God as all-knowing. God is our Creator, God is our Lord, God is sovereign, God is our King. But He teaches us about another attribute of God. And He actually teaches about this one more than any other one. In fact, He he mentions this attribute 189 times throughout the Gospels alone. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He teaches about this attribute and He does this more than any other attribute. And that is God as our Father. And maybe that attribute, God as our Father, is not great news for you. For some of us here, the idea of Father comes with a sting. It comes with a memory of pain. It comes with confusion. It comes with disappointment. It comes with hurt. And so for some of us here, the idea that God is our Father is a little bit too much to bear. I believe that for those of us who who are here that find it hard to relate to God as our Father because of those experiences, today would be freed from that pain. Today would be freed from those memories that are holding us back, that we can't enter the fullness of a relationship with God. You know, Jesus, He was baptized. And God looks down from heaven at Jesus and, and He says, This is my Son. This is my Son and in whom I am well pleased. I love that so much. See, this moment in time is before Jesus did any of the miracles that we have recorded in our Bible that we are able to read about. It is before Jesus walks on water. It's before before He heals the sick and those with diseases. Before He does all of His miracles while He was walking on earth, God looks down at Him and says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, Jesus did not have to do anything to have the blessing of His Father. Because that is the kind of blessing that God our Father gives us. You don't have to do anything, and yet He would bless you. And so here is Jesus before he really gets on into the mission that God has for his life. And God releases the blessing over him and says, now go into the mission I have before you with my blessing. You see, God understands that that we all have this deep longing for an approval from our Father that we have this deep hard wiring to need that approval from our Father. You know, I uh, remember as a young person just having that need. I remember calling out to my dad, hey, dad, look at me. Hey, dad, no hands. Hey, dad, did you see that grade I got? Always just loving the attention from my dad. Always loving it. You know, I remember as a mother, 
the way my children would respond to my husband, their father, with such that glee. I remember this one time, and I'm standing in the bathroom, and my toddler is in the bath, and she's like, uh -uh, she's not getting out. Like She's having way too much fun in that bath. And I've got a baby on my hip, and she's not happy. And she's like, I want dinner now. But I can't get my toddler out of the bath. And now she's throwing a tantrum. And so then I have a son. And somewhere from outside, I hear coming through the window, Hey, Mum, the ball's on the roof again. But don't worry, I'm going to climb up and get it. And so I'm somewhere stuck between the whole don't leave your child unattended in the bath thing to don't let your child climb up onto the roof thing. And so I've got this baby crying and I've got the toddler tantruming and the son trying to climb up on the roof. And then Steve walks in, my husband, and he walks in to the bathroom and seriously, my baby, arms out, like nothing at all is wrong, daddy! And she's all happy now, like no mention of the dinner now. And then my toddler as if all is well, jumps out of the bath like a perfect little angel and starts to dry herself because daddy's home. And then I hear my son, don't worry, I've got the ball. Look, dad, I got it all by myself. And I was really annoyed. <laughs> that is so unfair. Why have you not done this for me? <laughs> you know, I remember quite often literally saying to Steve, can I borrow your voice for a minute? And he would call kids and they would all just come running. Man, it's frustrating. <laughs> so annoying. But we have this hardwiring and this need for approval from our dad. And it, and it draws us towards him and draws this need out of us to have that approval. And you see, the enemy knows this. And this generation is often referred to as the fatherless generation. But the enemy knows this about us, and he uses it against us. He uses it to derail our relationship with our Father in heaven, with our Father God. He uses it to try and break down fatherhood so that we might not fully understand who God the Father is and who He is for us. And so we might all find ourselves on some kind of scale about our experience with our earthly father. Maybe it's down this end of the scale and your experience of your earthly father was, was terrible. Maybe very abusive. Maybe there was a lot of rejection, a lot of abandonment. Your experience was anger, deep pain, deep criticism perhaps. And when you hear the word father, these are the kind of things that come up for you. Maybe for you, your experience of a father was at the other end of the scale, one where you felt very empowered, you felt encouraged, you felt loved. You received correction in a wise kind of a way so that you were able to form your life from a healthy starting point. Maybe your experience of a father is at this end of the scale. Maybe for you, you find yourself at different parts of that scale depending on the season of time. And maybe it wasn't your whole childhood and adulthood, but 
different parts where you've experienced different kinds of examples of a father. I believe that the message for us today is that God is not just a bigger version of our father, but he is the perfect version of our father. And maybe you're here and you're like, this is challenging you a little bit. Maybe you're a dad here and you wish that if you could just turn back time, you would change things about your fatherhood. I want to let you know that today this message is about our heavenly father. He is perfect. We are not. (laughs) We are humans and it is okay. I also want to say that God is a God that makes all things new. And if you want to turn your fatherhood around, you can as you approach him. And I want to acknowledge that. Maybe our experience of a father is someone who was quite absent. Maybe our earthly father, our biological father, just literally was not around. Maybe he was absent because he passed away. Maybe he moved away. Maybe our experience is an absent father. And that's a lot of pain. Maybe you experienced rejection in that place. Maybe you experienced abandonment in that place. And so for you, your father was absent. Maybe for you, your father was highly critical. And you just felt like you could not do anything right. And now you're living in a place where you feel like you just can't do it well. Like no matter what you do, You can't get it right. And maybe you've been striving and straining from that place ever since, trying to prove yourself, trying to win so that you might might receive that approval that you've been craving. And you find yourself doing things and positioning yourself in, in areas that actually, if you were honest, that's not necessarily what God would have for your life. But you find this need to prove yourself there. Maybe your dad was one that was like a scorekeeper that just kept record of all your wins and losses and and that's what's holding you there now. Maybe your father was an angry or abusive person and maybe your father was someone, like I was saying before, empowering. We've all got a whole lot of different experiences here. And I recognize that this is a very vulnerable topic and a very vulnerable place. But I want to let you know that you can trust God and He would heal today. He would heal you today. I know that God is at work already. And even as I'm speaking from His Scriptures, your heart is opening to the possibilities of what God could do in that pain this morning. Psalm 68, verse 4. Sing to God. Sing in praise of His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before Him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless. A defender of the widows. Is God in His holy dwelling. I love that. God in His holy dwelling. He's a God of the heavens and the earth that we extol. It means to praise enthusiastically. We, we hold him up as God Almighty. But in his holy dwelling, 
He is our Father. That's where He positions us, Himself in our life, a defender. He sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, and He would lead out all of us that are carrying hurt from our past with singing this morning. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. God is saying here that nobody, nobody needs to navigate through this life without a father saying, this is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Now go in the mission of God and my mission for your life with my blessing, with the blessing of your father, God the Father. And that no one would leave this place without hearing that this morning. He is sending us out with his blessing. So how do we receive this? Matthew 7 tells us how. In verse chapter 7, verse 8, For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is offering us today a small step to take to be able to receive his healing and his love. And the small step is to ask. Ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened. There are as many of us here that are imprisoned by the things of our past, but God is saying, if you knock on that door and if you trust me in that vulnerable place, I will open and I will lead you out of captivity and I will lead you into the fullness of the purpose and plan that I have for your life. I will lead you into the fullness of the relationship that you can find in me as your father so that you can receive, you can hear those words with whom I am well pleased. Ask, knock. Were you a person that asked for something from your father, asked for that time with your father and you received a stone? Maybe you were asked just for that acknowledgement and you received a snake. God is our good father and he would never give you a stone or a snake instead of what you've asked. And if you ask him this morning, he is going to lead you into the full healing that he has for you and into the freedom, the freedom to live the life that he intended for you. And the first thing that I really want us to grab hold of this morning is just so simple. And we've heard it time after time again. But I just wonder how many of us have fully captured it and are fully living out of it, fully dwelling in this place, fully responding from this place. And that is that God loves you. You can write that down. God loves you. He loves you. I love what 1 John 3 says in verse 1. 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The lavish love that we're talking about here is Jesus being tortured on the cross so that we could have all our sins completely covered, completely paid for. He did that. God did that so that there would be nothing, nothing at all that would prevent us from fully being able to receive the love of our Father in heaven. God literally has said in that lavish act, that he would pay any price, any price at all, so that you could live in the fullness of a relationship with your Father in heaven, any price. You know, Psalms 139 says that he loves you, that he formed you in your mother's womb. It says that all your ways are made known to him. It says that He knows what you think before you even think it. That, you, that He knows when you rise up and when you lay down. He says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that there is no way, nowhere you can go to escape His presence. See, if you think that you are discounted, disqualified from receiving the love of the Father because of your past, I'm here to say to you that that cannot be true because God has said, I will pay any price to make sure that that is not so. And so He pours His lavish love on us. But the first word in the Scripture is key, and that is see. See. We've got to be able to see that He loves us like that so that we can receive it, so that we can walk in it. Do you see it? Do you see His lavish love upon you? Do you see it? He has invited us. He has invited us into His love. He has invited us to respond. He has made that first move. And now it is up to us to respond. James 4 verse 8 puts it like this. Come near to God and He will come near to you. God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. And that is the second thing you can write down and take hold of. God is waiting for you. It says, Come to me and I and he will come near to you. In another translation, NLT, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We draw near to God. We draw near to God. And then he draws near to us. He invites us and then we come before him. Have you responded in that way? Or do you feel like there's something in between you and God? There's some sort of blockage. And in your mind, you know you've made that decision and you know that you follow Jesus. And, but if you were honest, you would say, I don't think I fully draw everything that there is in my relationship with my Father in heaven. I don't fully live out of that place. I don't fully dwell in that place. James goes on to tell us in verse 10 just what, he, what it means to approach him, to draw near to him. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. 
We approach Him with humility. We approach Him with reverence. We approach Him with obedience. We come before our Father with all of these things. And this is how we draw near to Him. We draw near to Him when we say, You are sovereign. You are my Lord. And I honour You. And I worship You. And as we do that, we draw near to Him. And then He responds back and He draws near to us. Psalm 103 verse 13 puts it like this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. What does it mean to fear the Lord? This scripture, this word in this, in this scripture, in this psalm is not talking about being afraid of God. This word fear in this context is talking about to come before Him, revering Him as He is holy, as He is God Almighty, approaching Him with that humility, approaching Him with that obedience, approaching Him, acknowledging Him as your Lord and your Saviour, that He is sovereign, that He is sovereign. That is what it means to fear Him. Remember Psalm 68, it said in verse 4, sing to God, sing praise, sing in praise of His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before Him, His name is the Lord, His name is the Lord, He is riding in here on a cloud, He is not your average kind of a guy. He is God Almighty. And I guess it, it troubles me sometimes. When I see like God is here, He is with us and our hands are in our pockets and we're treating it real casual. God is in this room right now. It says when two or more gather together, there I am. He's right here. And he arrived on a cloud. <laughs> are we going to be found with our hands in our pockets? Or are we going to be found with our hands raised and on our knees? Because as God is not your average guy, he requires more than your average response. We must fear the Lord. And as we do that, it says that He will draw near to us. It says that He will have compassion upon us. We are here this morning to receive the freedom of God. So we've got to welcome Him with our hands raised and on our knees, knowing that He is just ridden in on a cloud. We don't want to be found with our hands in our pocket. If you want to see God move powerfully in your life, you've got to exalt Him as powerful and as Lord, as King of Kings. And as we do that, you will see that encounter you've been believing for. You will see God move in your life. You will see Him. And I love that Jesus showed us the way. He showed us the way. I love in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus, right before he, He's going to be tortured on a cross, He literally comes before God and He says, God, will you take this cup of suffering away from me? And then listen to this, He says, but not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, 
but yours be done. And then in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, Jesus is now on the cross after having been completely tortured and huge pain. He's nailed on a cross and he says, Father, I commit my spirit to you. I commit my spirit to you. And in this incredible example from Jesus, we can see what it looks like to acknowledge God as our sovereign, to come before Him in every circumstance and in every day and in every season and say, I don't understand this, God. I do not understand this. However, you are my Father. And as my Father, I know that I can trust you in all days. And so Jesus has shown us how we can worship the King of this world, how we can worship God as our sovereign in all days by understanding that all of those attributes are embodied as God, our Father. And when we know that He is our Father, we can trust Him to a greater and deeper level. We can trust Him to open that door that has held those wounds of our past that has held us captive for so long. And we can trust Him to open that door because the third point for us here today is that God is freeing you. God is freeing you. Today is the day when that door can be opened and you can see receive healing once and for all of all of those things. I declare right now, that this morning, God would be breaking cycles of abuse. He would be breaking cycles of divorce. He would be breaking cycles of rejection in the name of Jesus Christ. Today is the day that those things that you have inherited from your fatherly line or maybe your motherly line, today is the day that those cycles will be broken in Jesus' name. And that door, yeah, give Him the glory. Give Him the glory. That door is going to be opened and you are going to walk out free in the name of Jesus. You will walk out free in the name of Jesus. God is freeing you. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. You see, God does not just want to give you a ticket to eternity, but He wants you to live free. He wants you to live without that discouragement, without that disappointment. He wants you to live free of fear. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are no longer a slave to divorce. You are no longer a slave to rejection. You are no longer a slave to abuse because today God declares over you that you are free through His power and blood in Jesus' name. And so you would be free today. And here's the thing. For some of us, that pain was so hard. That experience was so hard. And so we wrapped those wounds with bandages because we didn't know what to do with the pain. Maybe you were young. And no one was there to help you process that divorce. No one was there to help you process that deep 
criticism. No one was there to help you process that abuse. No one was there to help you process that rejection. And so we wrapped that wound with a bandage and we've been living with this wound underneath a bandage. We could not see it, but we seemed to live out of it. And maybe for you, that bandage has looked like the need to achieve the need for a success. Maybe it's that you've thrown yourself in work and in other things to just numb. Maybe it's good things like exercise and stuff like that. Good things. But actually, if you were honest, those things are actually to conceal a wound. Maybe it's other kinds of distractions like substance Substance abuse. Maybe it's even like a really busy social calendar. And so we've wrapped these wounds with these different things. But if we were to come humble, humble before the Lord, He would allow us to unwrap those wounds, to place our wounds under the power of Jesus and be healed. That we understand that it is not about our wounds. We're not minimizing them. We're not sweeping them under the carpet. But it's about his wounds. It's about the power in his wounds. Where he went to the cross for you. He was wounded for you. And it's his, his wounds that we need to focus on this morning. Place our wounds under his wounds. And know that he has the power to heal if we would humble ourselves before him, ask, knock, and you will receive the healing. Can I get you all to stand? I believe that God is about to do something really powerful in your lives God is about to do something incredibly powerful in your life if you would humble yourself now. We're going to start by repenting together in this room. We're going to repent from being too casual with God. Because if we're going to humble ourselves to receive this healing, we first need to repent from not acknowledging Him as sovereign in our lives and for being found with our hands in our pockets instead of our hands raised high. And so we are going to repent together so we can allow the room for God to heal. Can you repeat after me? Let's do this all together. Father, forgive me for my lack of reverence for you. I realized this morning I've been a little casual with you. I have failed to see you as king. I'm asking you to forgive my ignorance and my casual attitude. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. I lift my hands to you and ask you to baptize me in your spirit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
thank you, Lord. We humble ourselves before you, God. Thank you, Lord. You're the King of glory. And we acknowledge your presence in this room. We acknowledge your presence, Lord God. We acknowledge your sovereignty, Lord Jesus. We humble ourselves before you. We recognize that we don't have it all together and we don't have to have it all together. But we unwrap those masks off our face and we approach you, Lord God, boldly. We knock, Lord God, and we ask, Father, that you would heal us from those things that have held us captive for so long. We bring all of who we are, Lord God, wounds and everything to you. I believe that God is going to heal through the power of his scripture in this moment. And I'm going to ask that, that right now, I'm going to give you a moment to get into the posture that you need to be in to humble yourself before the Lord, that you would receive healing. Maybe you need to kneel. Why don't you go ahead and kneel right now? Wherever you are, just kneel before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Almighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you need to kneel. Maybe you need to have your hands raised high in absolute surrender of Him as your King of kings and Lord of lords. Why don't you find your posture to receive the healing from your Father right now. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to read some scripture over you. The scripture is going to come on the screen. But you don't need to, to watch it. Just, just be with him. Just be with him. He's going to heal you through his scripture. The scripture has been paraphrased so that it comes in first person from God. It is his word that is going to be washing over you. And he will cleanse you through the power of his living word, I declare in Jesus' name. So I'm going to read the scripture. Be healed in Jesus' name. Receive his love. Child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head were numbered, for you were made in my very image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring I knew you even before you were conceived. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth to the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love onto you. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am your perfect father. Every good gift comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I have loved you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are as countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. 
I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. I am able to do more for you than you can possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father that comforts you with all your troubles. When you were brokenhearted, I was close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being, and He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I can be reconciled, and His death is my ultimate expression of love for you. I gave up my son, who I love, so that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, then you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. I have always been your father. Will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, heal. Thank you, Lord God, for your power in this moment, for your healing in this moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that those cycles are breaking right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break, I break rejection from you in Jesus' name. I break abuse from you in Jesus' name. I break the cycle of divorce off your life in the name of Jesus Christ. I break abandonment off you in Jesus' name. I break false sense of responsibility off your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you are making all things new. Thank you, Lord, that you've freed us this morning. 